Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Thank you, Michael. Good morning, everybody. And a blessed Pentecost Sunday to you. Uh, it, it is indeed a special time uh, this morning for us to get together and to share in the Word of God, not just because it's Pentecost Sunday, but because this is family time. This is our time uh, to get together corporately, uh, to share in the Word of God, and also to expect God to move right here, right now. I think often we get together on a Sunday, and we, we have an attitude of, I'll get the Word, maybe I'll do something with it later on. But I have such an expectation and a sense in my heart that the Spirit was saying to me that today somebody will be called to action. Michael, in worship this morning and in praying for us, he used the word adventure and he used the word shifting. Shifting is taking place. And, and I indeed believe that that is the case. Um, <clears throat> this time of year is also so very special to me because... Uh, it was my birthday on Monday uh, this week, and I don't remember the exact day of my salvation. I don't remember the date. Some people do. They have it written down. Uh, but what I do remember, it was a few days before my birthday. And when I tried to, to recall the moment uh, in this week, I realized that was in 2002, which means I've been serving the Lord now for 20 years, given my life to Him as a young man on varsity, and never looked back and never been disappointed in the grace of God. Uh, when I came to know the Lord, there, at the time, for a young colored man, there were so many things stacked against us. The statistics did not show that young colored men will grow up to live purpose-driven, fruitful lives. Uh, the statistics don't show that young colored men make it all the way through school and university and find themselves in positions of influence. But the grace of God had preserved me up until that point and empowered me from that point onwards to serve him faithfully. Uh, when I came to know the Lord, it was such a special time because I knew from the first day that he had placed a call on my life. How I knew that, how I figured it out, I don't quite understand. It was a very isolated time because, you know, you come to know the Lord the friends want nothing to do with you anymore. Relationships break. You know, people stay away from you. I didn't even get invited to my high school reunion a few years after that. And when I asked around and I said what was happening, and then they said to me, no, we didn't want to invite the pastor. <laughs> I don't know how you become the pastor a few days after your salvation, but anyway, be that as it may. I, I know what they were saying, and I'm sure you do too. And that is just the territory. That is just what we can expect as we grow closer to the Lord, that the relationships need to break, that the old things need to fade away, and that the new recreated spirit must come to the surface, take its place, and find expression in our lives. Amen? Amen. So we've been on this theme. Do you, any of you recall the theme for the last few weeks? Stephen spoke about it. Please don't let Michael answer. <laughs> Pastor Frank said that's off a few weeks ago. And we've been speaking about making room for God. 
You remember? Making room for God. And so I'm going to continue with that theme today. Sort of a subtitle, Making Room for God Through Godly Living. Uh, My key scripture for this morning, uh, perhaps today you can put it on the screen for us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, uh, just because the New Living Translation has been a blessing to me over the years. Uh, that's just how I started to understand and learn the Word of God. Uh, and he says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and grace. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you, and here's the key, to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. If this is one of your favorite scriptures, can you say amen? amen? I know it is a favorite of many in our house because this is the scripture in other translations that will say something like, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Um, perhaps that's the, the translation that you're more familiar with. And in thinking about sharing this morning um, And the direction that I want to take, because Michael sort of has given us a theme, uh, but he also said to us, I want your understanding and interpretation of what it means to make room for God. The life of faith must be inspired by continued awe and wonder. And I like that word adventure that Michael used earlier. As believers, we must anticipate that God always wants more from us because he is always capable of doing more for us. He is certainly capable of more, and he wants us to live with greater expressions of faith and the gifts he blessed us with. For us as believers, we are often so satisfied with our own faith experiences that we want nothing more of God. It is common for believers to desire a peaceful life framed by previous marvelous works of the Spirit as a point of reference. Often as believers, when we testify, we speak about what God did for us all those years ago. And we use that as a point of reference to express our faith today. But God is saying, I want to do a new thing. I want to revive the dreams that's in your heart. I want to revive the promises that I've given you all those years ago. I want you to stop overthinking and overanalyzing how it's going to play out. I want you to express your faith through godly living where you are. I want you to be sure that my grace is sufficient for you. I want you to know that I will do nothing unless you take the first step. I want you to understand that I've paid the ultimate price so that you can continue to pay the price by my grace. 
And in the season, I believe God is calling us higher. He is desiring more room to express himself in us and through us. For some of us, he is looking for a major shift. For others, he is looking for small adjustments to our daily routine. But for all of us, there is the opportunity to see and experience the mighty influence of his kingdom in greater dimensions. Church, we as a family are engaged in a season of intense prayer and warfare at the same time. Michael referred to the pastors who meet here every second week. There's also the Monday night meeting. There's a prayer meeting that happens before church. There are smaller groups and other ministries that continuously pray for us as a spiritual family. And certainly for me, all the prayer meetings that I attend, I walk away with this one thing, that there's a sense of a spiritual atmosphere that is so saturated with the power and the promises and the prophecies of God that it is just waiting for us to pull it down and for the manifest presence of God to make itself known among us. That is not just reserved for the preachers and the pastors. We're speaking about families going to new dimensions. We're speaking about businesses being raised up. We're speaking about excellence in education. The power of God wants to manifest itself in Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Your season for being a strong and a committed believer is not at its end. It is only the beginning. Amen? Amen. And so I believe God is calling us higher. They are gifts, abilities, resources, and hearts that must be reinvigorated by the fresh wind of the Spirit so that our families and communities can be impacted. The role of church is not so that we can be blessed in these four walls. The role of church is that I come to be impacted and I go to make an impact in my family and in my community and in my workplace or wherever I find myself. In our key scripture verse this morning, we saw that God has already made provision for us to live the life of faith with greater anticipation and intensity. But how do we do that is what exactly I will unpack this morning. But what does it mean to be godly? I think it's a term that we kind of just live the godly life. What does that mean? How to live the godly life? Some of us use that as a term to reside to a lower level of Christianity where I am of no influence or no impact, but I also don't bother anybody. So I've kind of decided as long as I don't get in anybody's way, I'm probably okay. As long as I don't sin, probably okay. As long as I come to church, it's probably okay. But God is looking for so much more because he says, I've given you all things to live a godly life. All things. To be godly is to live reverently and obediently toward God. To be godly is to work and live in harmony with his word for his praise and glory and not for ours. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things having the promise of life that now is and of that 
which is to come. Jesus lived his life on earth as a godly man because of his intimacy with the Father. And he desires the same for us. If we cultivate our intimacy with him, we begin to develop his mind, his stature, his way of living, and harmony with God and a godly mind of all marks of a godly life. It starts as a mental transformation. It starts for you and I today to realize that I'm capable of so much more, that the dreams that God has placed in my heart needs to find expression because he's paid such a high price for you and I. So how do we live the godly life? I've got five different things that I want to share. We'll see how time goes, and maybe I only do three. Um, but the first element of living a godly life is to seek first the kingdom of God. The influence of the kingdom is our point of departure. The very familiar scripture in Matthew chapter 6 and 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It is absolutely unreasonable for us to be anxious and worried about how we should live according to this verse. He's calling us away from the anxiety, from the fear, from the fear that I will fall short or that I will not have enough. He's calling us away from having an old mindset that I need to strive and I need to manufacture and I need to do all these things in order to be accepted. No, he's saying the kingdom is already yours. Access to the kingdom is already available to you. So the kingdom is our priority, and the kingdom stimulates God-inspired influence over everything else we do. So in helping us understand this very familiar verse a bit better this morning, I thought, let me help us in understanding what this verse is not saying. This verse does not say be irresponsible about what you are going to eat or drink or wear. In other words, be mindful, but allow the influence of the kingdom to be the dominant inspiration of your life. Of course, we need to be concerned about putting food on the table. Of course, we need to be concerned about the practical things of life. But what Jesus is calling us to is, may the kingdom of God and the promises of God and the prophecies of God and the quiet whispers that you hear when you worship, may that be your inspiration. May that be the fuel to your fire that says, I can do all things through Christ. Amen. Amen. And so ignorance about what you will eat, drink, or wear is not an indicator that you are seeking the kingdom. We have to be mindful of that. We cannot say I'm seeking the kingdom of God because look at how I ignore my responsibilities. Because the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom. But it does not say ignore everything else. It says, and everything else will be added. In other words, there is call for me to be concerned about those things but that is not my inspiration. The influence of the kingdom is my inspiration. The second thing, the second element of living the godly life is to express your faith in love. Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. It reads, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. 
He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. This verse through the years has been such a blessing to me because it says, the Lord directs the steps. In other words, as I go, as I take the steps to move towards what he's calling me to, he will give direction. God does nothing for anybody who just sits and waits and waits and waits and waits and waits. When we speak about waiting on the Lord, we are not speaking about a passive exercise of ignorance. We are, in fact, speaking about an act of spiritual discipline that I get involved and God leads me and he orders my steps as I go. Maybe this is not the job that I wanted right now. Maybe this is not where I wanted my family to be right now. But as I take steps, the Lord will direct me. And according to his word, though I stumble, I will not fall because he upholds me. Amen? Amen. But the key is, I need to keep it moving. I need to keep going. And so you make room for God through daily living as you go. And in the simple everyday things of life, there's opportunity for his love and power to work through you. If you recall David's assignment from his father, it was simply pack this lunch and go take it to your brothers. You know, prepare whatever I've, I've set aside here. Package it, take your bag, take this lunch to your brothers on the battlefield. Right? It's a simple, menial task. His dad has probably asked him many times to take food to his brothers. And David, in his obedience, goes, for sure, I'll take this. And he goes and he's off, he's on his way. First Samuel 17 uh, from verse 16 says, For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. I'm going to fast forward to verse 48, and it says, As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone, and hurled it with his sling at, at the Philistine and hit him in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. You and I need to make up our minds that God is able to use us at any time, anywhere. God has no preset agenda for this is exactly what I want you to do now, and then I will use you, and then I'm going to use you. We need to have that expectation that he wants to move at all times, wherever we find ourselves. But you can't do that if the little things of life, the everyday mundane things, frustrate you and irritate you and annoy you, and all you want to do is to run away from your current situation. 
where God is saying, I know this is not where you want to be right now. I know, David, that you don't want to take food to your brothers back and forth all the time. But if you can just do this thing, if you can just have food delivery faith, when you get to the battlefield, I will give you giant slaying faith. It starts with that small faith. Let me take the lunch, my bag, my sling, and let me go and see. Let me be obedient to my father. Let me go and be a blessing to my brothers. Let me do this small task. And as I step, remember the psalm? The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. David full well knew that I've got a chance here to be defeated by this champion. There's a slight chance that this big guy might actually give me the hiding of my life. But on my way here, something happened. As I put my trust in the Lord, I recalled how he delivered me from the wild animals. I recalled how when the wild animals wanted to take my father's sheep, that he gave me such a faith that I could step up and step into that giant slaying faith and destroy the enemy. So what is this uncircumcised Philistine to me in the presence of my mighty God? You and I need to develop our faith slowly but surely, but it will not happen if we stay where we are. We need to take steps, and as we take the steps, the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. You will make mistakes. You will get it wrong. But thank God for his promise that I will not fall. It will not destroy me. Often when we speak in the Bible study, we, we always speak about how can we find expressions of faith. Where can we go to be a blessing? What can we do? How can we add practical value to people? And we always joke because we say our Bible study is a, is a large group of possibly too many overthinkers. <laughs> and that's the truth for all of us. We tend to overthink things because we don't have the complete picture of how it's going to play out. Yeah. All we know is we want to help. But what if? But what if we get rejected? But what if we don't have enough money? But what if I lose out in time? But what if I need to make up for work? And all these things play over and over in your mind, and they so cripple us as believers that we end up just saying, it's okay, I don't sin, so I don't need to really step into purpose and find expressions of faith and you know, practically exercise my love for other people. And the favorite is always, what would people say? What would that person say if I walk up to them with a parcel of food? Or what would that person say if I offered to help them? If I offered to make a difference in them in some small way? What is it that the people are going to say? How am I going to look if I get rejected? And that pride quietly creeps in through the overthinking and we end up just doing nothing. The Bible study must forgive me now because I'm going to reshare testimony that I shared already, but you guys can just relax. The rest of the people haven't heard it yet. So, so over the past two years, I, I've been trying to get in shape. I've been trying to go to gym, working out with a personal trainer, and it's been going okay, been consistent, except for the short time that I was sick. 
uh, being consistent, always showing up. And recently we changed clubs, so because I almost exclusively work from home now, I thought let me change gyms so be closer to home, easier to get there. And when I started going, I bumped into an old colleague of mine. Uh, we also attended school together, and we always get into conversations. Uh, you know, just about any random things that guys would speak about, and especially at the gym, you know, at the gym if you meet another guy, they only speak about big macho stuff, and, you know, he's loading his plates, Mark, and I'm loading my plates, and obviously we want to outdo each other. You know, the environment in gym, and the music is playing, and everybody's... But he's been sharing with me that he's had a struggle, um, and I didn't know about it. Uh, he's had a struggle with drugs, um, and it was many years ago, and he kind of, you know, he went through a recovery program and got back on his feet and whatever. But recently, because of the pandemic and him losing his work, he fell back into it. And I said, you know, that's unfortunate. And he's always sharing about how he's back in recovery now. And, you know, he's trying to get back on his feet, and he's trying to be a blessing to other people. Um, he's trying to be a blessing to other recovering addicts. And I, I always just listen, because we always only bump into each other at gym. So I always just listen to him, and I, you know, we do our thing, and we go our way. And then one morning, as he was talking to me, I said, you know, I wonder what would happen if I encourage this man on the spot right here, right now. I wonder what would happen if I just speak into his life right now. And I took the step of faith. So remember the atmosphere of gym, Right? And I start sharing with him. And I start, not even scriptures, I just start speaking into his life, having a conversation with him, speaking positive things, encouraging him. And he absolutely breaks down in tears right here in the middle of the gym floor, where everybody's looking, where people who are working out and supposed to be looking at the macho guys doing their leg day routine are now all staring at us, and he is just bawling, he's crying his eyes out. And I was so tremendously blessed because I didn't overthink it. I didn't care too much about what those people are going to say. The Lord had said to me that day, speak to this man and encourage him. A few days later, the two of us sat down. He registered a business. Uh, he registered this project where he's taking young people on various things, hikes and other activities. And he's now set up for sponsorship by big corporate companies all because of the things that I shared with him, encouraged him, this is how you do it, this is how you go about it. And he's on his way to realize his dream for helping young recovering addicts. What would have happened if I just kept quiet that day and thought, this is the wrong place in gym, we don't do stuff like this. We've got to stop overthinking things and the dreams and the stuff that God has put in our hearts, it needs to find expression and I believe that this is the season We always say things like, I want to do something for the Lord, but God knows my heart, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's a favorite, right? Anybody ever say, God knows my heart? Well, sometimes he doesn't like that heart. <laughs> doesn't matter how well he knows that heart. And you know why? Because the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, 
was never a bright idea that God came up with at the time, a few months or years before the Calvary experience. It was always on the heart of God that he would send his son to die for us. Always, since the beginning of time, or even since before. That was his plan. That was his heart for us, that I'm going to send my son to redeem my people. When God wanted to make room for you and I, he expressed himself. You did something. Imagine if God did not send Jesus to this earth. And he would, it would just be written in your Bible, it's in his heart to save you. But nothing actually <laughs> happened. You and I cannot have salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit without the physical person of Jesus Christ having come to this earth and dying for us on the cross. That is the expression. That is our God, our Father, made room for us in his kingdom. And so the principle stays the same. If he's saying to us, make more room for me, that love, that making room, that activity needs to look like something. It needs to find expression. However small it may be, God will add the rest. God will send the resources. He will send the people. Amen? And so we need to find expression. The third element of living a godly life is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Often as believers, we separate the ministry from the, of the Spirit from all the other aspects of our faith. And many believers aim to live a godly life separate from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Often religion gives the impression that something to God is real, but it's just an appearance. The Bible speaks about having a form of godliness without the power in 2 Timothy 3.5. A form of godliness, but denying its power. Let us as mature believers not fall into that category. Where we have a form. You know what a form of godliness is? It just looks like God. But there's no substance behind it. There's no depth. There's no inspiration of the Spirit behind it. And so we are to continuously create the habit of inviting the Spirit into our lives. The attitude of receiving and welcoming the Holy Spirit into our lives is to be the attitude of the believer at all times. It's also important to note that inviting the Spirit into our lives continually is the only way that you and I will truly understand the Word of God. We cannot know the Word of God in its true depth without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You may know the facts, you may know the words written on the paper, but the revelation that he wants to give you is only found in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Bless you. The fourth thing, the fourth element of godly living is to participate in the corporate anointing. Participate in the house. It's been, I think it's 11 years now since we've been coming to this house. And I've shared this testimony here many times before. When, when I came here, there was just, in terms of work and business, there was just nothing going on. I'd been re- retrenched um, the year before, I think on the 2nd of November, I got engaged to Chantal. So I asked her on the 2nd of November for a hand in marriage. I'd already spoken to her mom. And so on the 2nd of November, Paul, I went 
and I was nervous, and I had the picnic basket, and we, I went to Table Mountain, and I didn't tell her about anything, and I popped the question onto Karen, and it was beautiful and romantic. <laughs> that was on the 2nd of November, the year before we got married. On the 3rd of November, I go to work the next morning with a smile on my face, and I'm ready to share the good news, and I get handed a letter to say, you have now been retrenched. The very next day after the engagement. But God gave me a promise, and he said, you don't change wedding dates, hall of engagements, or do anything other than what I'm saying to you. I will order your steps. We set the date, we got married, and we did not owe anybody anything, because God had provided faithfully. Amen? The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. In the corporate anointing, when we came here, Chantal and I decided to throw roots here. When you align yourself with a house, the grace of that house touches your personal life. There was a grace of restoration on my life. I had experience in the Lord. I'd been ministering before I came here. I'd been leading people to the Lord. I've seen God move. I've seen healing. Small meetings, big meetings, whatever the case. I've, I was used to doing ministry. But when there was alignment, there was a greater depth and anointing. And God was saying, now I'm going to open the road for you. With the finances being limited and the two of us just getting married and getting started, I was introduced to the Bible school. You see the lovely photos up there. That costed money at the time. But I was determined, I'm going to go through with it. And we both signed up. And I was determined, and I said, this is, the Lord won't bring me to my house and then say, this resource here, this Bible study is not for you. It belongs to the house, just like the things in your house belong to you and you participate in it. When God spoke to me about Bible study, I put my head down and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And it was such a tremendous blessing. God provided the resources, the capacity to do it, the understanding, and such a wealth of wisdom and knowledge in those three or four years that came about. In the corporate anointing, in the house that you belong to, there's a grace that wants to touch your life. It's a grace that's a different grace to what a visitor might experience. Visitors who come to your house will experience a portion of the blessing that you have in your house. They will accept what you, whatever you give them. They'll be blessed, they'll be refreshed, and then they go. But you in your own home would receive the full extent of everything that's available. And it's the same for your spiritual house. Everything is available to you. Everything, a price has been paid. We often hear the testimony about this building now difficult it is to run ministry and you don't have a building and we take it for granted that we can just come and sit and enjoy clean, it's fresh it's, it's secure, it's, it's everything we need, we open the taps, there's water it's such a blessing, so the same grace that established those resources here is available for the children who throw roots here that grace wants to touch your life but the blessing of that grace comes with a price. You see, a visitor can come and receive, and they can go. 
it's like you watching a YouTube video of whatever ministry, and it can bless you, and then it's done. But throwing roots, aligning yourself, being established in the house comes at the price. It comes with the awkwardness of forming relationships. In the corporate anointing, we'll say, iron sharpens iron. That is a harsh process before you find a rhythm. It's difficult. There's misunderstandings. There's disagreements. There's, I want to give up. This church is not for me. I rather want to go look somewhere else. Let me tell you, you will continue to look somewhere else if you are not ready to go through the process of that initial grinding taking place. Because very soon it's going to find a rhythm. Very soon it's going to be in tune. And whatever the blessing is that is bestowed upon the house is going to begin to activate in your life. But it comes with sacrifice. The house has things available. The house has meetings and gatherings and ministries and there's requirements and there's duties and there's things to fulfill and there's people to go and bless outside of the the four walls. And it's you and I that need to participate in those things in order to receive the grace of this house. And so I'm going to close off with the fifth element, and that is to encourage you to use what God has blessed you with, to use the gifts that's on the inside of you. Sometimes we, we want to operate and step into what other people have said about us. Other people write the agenda, and we want to follow what they are saying. You need to be educated and then find a job and then move up the corporate ladder, and then hopefully you'll be successful. The grace of God empowers us and allows us to experience and explore so much more, and we need to be open to that sense of adventure all the time. And I'm speaking to people I believe, and this is what the Spirit has told me, that you are sitting with the birth of a ministry on the inside of you. You are sitting with that project that you want to tackle, You are sitting with that business that you want to raise up. But the fear and the overthinking has crippled you to such an extent that you have just given up and that you think it's never going to happen. There's some of you that are so gifted and talented in certain areas that God is just waiting for you to take the first step and he's going to blow your mind with the resources that he wants to send your way. He's going to blow your mind by the people, the amount of people that are going to be touched by your ministry. Especially to our young people, this is something that I firmly believe in. Get an education. I'm not against that. Find work. Find whatever it is that your hands can do. If you can't find work in your area or your profession or the thing that you're studying for, find something to do. Find anything. Because as you go, God is going to use that process to ultimately get you to your purpose. But if you resign and you just say, I'm not doing anything until I get what I want, God cannot use a heart like that. Step into the small thing. Step into packaging the food and delivering it. Step into that little bit of faith and be obedient to the word of God. And on your way, God is going to develop a giant slaying faith on the inside of you that your mind cannot even conceive right now. Church, this is what I found for me to be 
the ways and the means practically to make room for God. As you walk the journey, He will give you the grace to do it. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.